I'm your host, Bradley Martin, and this is Clearing the Way, a resource for small business owners. Hello, humans. Welcome back to Clearing the Way. I am your host, Bradley Martin. My goal is to uncover the challenges that small business owners face along their way so that you can be better prepared when you experience something similar. My guest today, uh, guest today is a fun one, one of my longest friends. Uh, Preston Miller, owner of Rusted Barrel Barbecue. Uh, Preston chokeslammed me in fifth grade because I pulled his chair out from underneath him as he sat down in Mr. Colborne's class. That was pretty cool. Uh, Preston graduated from Triangle Tech with an associate degree in welding. Uh, he worked in He's worked in oil and gas for almost 10 years, working his, his way up as high as an operations supervisor. Preston has been a lifelong cook, which is something that... Uh, We've kind of bonded over since early in our friendship. Uh, we used to doctor up our ramen with shrimp and uh, whatever else you had in your house. Um, so that was kind of fun. Uh, in May of 2019, we decided to take it a little bit more seriously, though, uh, investing in a food truck and opening Rusted Barrel Barbecue. Preston, thank you for being my friend, and thank you for being a guest number three on Clearing the Way. Thanks for having me. Uh, all right. So uh, did I get all that right? Anything I missed there? No, I think that's it. Okay. Um, okay, so let's, uh, let's start in school. So obviously I've got a pretty good idea of who you were, um, but let's, let's kind of work up to the point where you decided that um, you were going to start a business. So as a student, um, what were you – were you – Actually, I'm not sure if I know the answer to this. Were you a good student? Um, I got good like, grades. Like, all the way back into, like, elementary school, all the way back. Like, were you? Yeah. I had, I think I had straight A's until I was in seventh grade. And then uh, started to get older, started to care less about school. Um, I still got good grades, but I put a lot less effort forward. So, um, I ended up... With good grades, um, I'd say, you know, average, but uh, I definitely could have had better grades if I would have put forth more effort. Yeah. Were you, you wrestled. Um, yes. That was it, right? Wrestled, yeah. ski club, some of that stuff, but um, no other sports. Actually, Cliff, who was just on this morning, this afternoon, he uh, he also wrestled. So he has, there's some kind of similarities in like the... One of the things that he mentioned, though, was that you didn't really get the camaraderie, like the team aspect of in wrestling. At least he didn't because of um, some of his aspirations. But um, was there anything, I guess if you weren't playing other sports, you didn't have that to compare to. Um, but, okay, so uh, good student, good student. Uh, did you know what you wanted to do coming I had- out of school? So I thought that I wanted to be a welder. So uh, I liked shop class the most. It made the most sense to me. Um, learning algebra didn't make any sense to me, uh, which is funny because I use it in my job now. Um, but at the time, learning, um, you know, the various normal curriculum of, you know, X equals Y, that kind of stuff didn't make any sense for me to learn to me made more sense for me to learn a trade um, because I thought that was a, a better way for me to make money. Were you, um, were there any other, I actually, 
Were there any other clubs or anything that you were a part of? Like, uh, were there any of those, like, I don't know if there were any, like, woodshop clubs or anything like that, but was there anything like that that you were a part of? No, I was a member of uh, 4-H uh oh, since yeah, the time yeah, i was yeah, a little yeah. kid um we always had animals on the farm stuff like that um but other than that no other no other big clubs i was a cub scout when i was little um but then that didn't last very long uh why not um it's uh they they were teaching me how to do stuff that i felt like i already knew how to do like okay like I remember like 10 years old and they're like teaching you how to use a pocket knife. And I'm like, I've carried a pocket <laughs> knife for the last three years. So like, yeah. Um, okay. That seems reasonable. Um, <clears throat> all right. So you, what led you, why did you choose welding? Um, I chose welding cause I was good at it. How did you know that you were good at it? Like before, did uh, you, did you do any welding in high school? Yeah. So okay. I welded in high school um, with Mr. Husk. Uh, he thought that I was pretty good at it. And, like, I spent more time welding than everybody else did. I thought it thought it was a I, – I liked welding more than, than, uh, than wood shop, and I wanted to do something with my hands. I liked welding more because you can make mistakes and you can fix them. Okay. Um, wood shop. Once you cut wood once, you can't really do anything. Metal. If you cut it wrong, you know, you weld it back together and basically start from scratch. Um, so I liked that aspect of it, and that's why that's why I was interested in welding. Did you? So I don't know much about this. Um, when you were choosing to go into welding, did you know what you wanted to do with that? Uh, at the time I wanted to work on the pipeline because, okay. uh, that was around the time that it was, you know, the, the pipelines were going in, in this area, it was getting big. Uh, there was a lot of work. Um, I was hearing stories of guys that were a little bit older than us that were making, you know, crazy money. And that was definitely alluring. Okay. Okay. So you, um, okay. So welding, um, and then, <clears throat> so right in, so, I mean, that, kind of your plan has you know, kind of worked up to that point. Um, you got into the industry you were looking for, um, and were you still as interested in, um, in cooking through that whole, like, I know it was something we did a lot when we were younger, but did that continue through like through high school? Maybe I don't know how, when we were even, I mean, that was like middle school that we used to do that shit. Um, and it was definitely, it was definitely there. Um, my dad has catered, uh, since I was a little kid and I, I helped him, uh, continued to help him through high school, um, just graduation parties and that kind of stuff. And, uh, the first job that I had after I graduated high school was at a pizza shop. I was delivering pizzas, but I was also making the pizzas and I enjoyed making the pizzas a lot more than I did delivering them. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay. So, and then through, how about, okay. So you started at, you started at, well, we don't have to talk about companies. Um, when you started in oil and gas, were you still, was there any, were you helping your dad at all at that point or? 
Um, was there anything, anything food related? I mean, other than like cooking for yourself, like, was there anything outside of that? No, just cooking for myself. Hmm. Okay. So at what point did you start thinking more seriously about, um, about food again? Like when did that actually happen? So the big thing that kicked it off was, uh, when my dad catered and so he had a, he had a cooker, uh, they called a pig cooker. Um, bought it in South Carolina. So this is starting to get better. (laughs) So it's a, it's a barrel uh, about the size of this table. Um, So about the width of a car Um, and it would open up. It had a, it was uh, propane assisted and you threw wood chips on top of a metal plate and he used it to smoke chicken and, and you could fit half of a hog on there. And then that's when my dad used the cater. So I wanted to borrow it from him. Um, I can't remember why I was making chicken for something. Um, but I went over, he said, yeah, you can borrow it. I went over to borrow it and it was like falling apart, just rotted out with rust. It was dirty. Um, one of the tires was flat. The, the safety chains were missing (laughs) for the trailer part. It seems like something that your dad owns. So it, it ended up being a weekend of cutting out rusted metal, welding in new metal, um, replacing the burner, replacing the tire, replacing basically the whole towing part of it. Um, and I basically built, rebuilt the thing, um, and rebuilt this rusted out barrel, which I'm sure we'll get to later. Um, so I, I redid that. And then once I redid it, you know, I wanted to use it. Like I, I put all this work into yeah. it. Uh, so I, uh, I cooked on it a few times for family and stuff. And then, uh, one of the pictures, um, I sent it to one of the guys at work, um, of all these, it was a bunch of half chickens all the way across the grill. And I sent it to him and he said, do you ever make ribs? And I, I said, yeah, I can make ribs. Uh, honestly, I'm not that big of a fan of ribs, uh, which sounds crazy to be yeah. a person in my position. Um, yeah. But I'm not. Yeah, a, but you also don't like barbecue sauce. Not a big fan <laughs> of barbecue sauce either. You don't like barbecue sauce and you make bar. Uh, but OK. Go but ahead. I'm not a big rib guy. But he said, uh, I do a rib cook off my backyard every year. Uh, he said some of the local guys, he said, come and, you know, throw down and see who's the best. And would you be interested? And I was like, yeah, I'll definitely do it. I've always liked cooking. I liked cooking competitively. Um, even whenever I think the first competition I ever did was I was 10 years old and I cooked. It's a fair and it was a uh, creative competition to see what you could make with spam. Okay, I didn't know about that. So, okay, that's interesting. How did you do, first of all? What did you do with it? Um, what did you make? I don't want to say I won because I don't really remember, but I think I won. Okay. Or I got, I was definitely in the top three. I don't think I won, but I was like, I was close. You were up there. You did yeah. well. Um, so I did like a version of a, like a, I think it was like a ranch, like a, like, a snack wrap, like a McDonald's snack wrap, but okay. it was it was spam. That would have been that actually would have been around the time that snack wraps were a hot jam. 
Yeah, so it was kind of like a that was whenever raps were like becoming a uh-huh. thing. So like uh this I think it was like a snack wrap with like grilled spam um little pieces. That doesn't sound great if I'm being honest, but it wasn't bad. But I, I mean if you have to use spam, I guess that's pretty solid. But yeah, there was that and then um uh my mom always did uh the chili cook-offs. There was a couple chili cook-offs in Washington that she always did. She had a really good chili recipe. So I'd help her and we'd make like two versions of it and she'd enter mine. And, uh, I won the the arms club chili cook-off whenever I think I was like 14. And then, uh, I think I placed it. The, the Meadows casino used to have, uh, when it was just the Meadows racetrack, they used to have one every year. And I, I think we did well in that one when I was a little kid too. Huh. Okay, I didn't know any of that, I don't think. So, like, that it's fun. I mean, it, it's fun to win a competition of anything. Yeah, yeah. So, it's fun it, to win. as soon as he said, you know, competition, um, sounded like there was a lot of drinking involved. And, right you know, there. I have this, I have this grill that I just completely redid. I was, I was like, I'm in. Well, this was like... I, I think it was a month before the cook-off, kind of put it off. And then uh, I think it was like uh, a week or two before the cook-off, I went and I bought a, because to be honest, I've made ribs, but. Yeah, yeah. Well, the way you answered the question, do you make ribs? And you say, yeah, I can make ribs. That's, that's a pretty clear indicator of, yeah, I've made them before, but like. They're not my thing. Right. Like, it, I know how to. I can make them, but they're not my thing. So what I did was I went and I bought a case of ribs, uh, which is 15 racks. And I split them in half. I trimmed them and I split them in half. So I had 30 half racks. And then every day for the next two weeks... I cooked at least half a rack of ribs, if not two. Were you eating the ribs? Uh, most I mean, of you had to try them at least. Most of the time, I would share them. Um, to be so sick of ribs. Yeah, <laughs> two weeks I'm, straight. I'm sure like you. Ribs, I'm sure you ate some of them. Two weeks straight of ribs is a lot. Um, but yeah, I think it was ten days. I think it, I think I ended up with enough that I cooked at least two half racks every day for ten days. um and i just really like worked on narrowing down like every day one half rack would be a little bit different than the other one seasoning wise or or how i trimmed them or how long i cooked them for or what i basted them with um just a little bit different each day until i felt it was narrowed down and i i thought and and don't get me wrong i've cooked barbecue my whole life ribs just aren't yeah they're just not my thing yeah ribs are i mean we've talked about it a lot like ribs are kind of a what everybody likes for the the opinions of ribs are very different what some people like is what i really don't like um yeah ribs are weird because the the they can vary so much like they vary a lot in all aspects like the the tech everything everything about them can be so different 
Um, okay, so how'd you do? So I ended up winning. Um, solid. And the the two guys that were I was cooking against, um, uh, one's a close friend now. Uh, they're both great cooks. They they knocked it out of the park. Both of them uh, have doing it have been doing it in some professional capacity for a few years. Um, so that was kind of one of those things where it was like, hey, well, I guess I'm alright at this. Yeah, I, I guess you know. I always knew that I was, I was pretty good at, like we always did a whole hog roast. Um, I mean, the big thing is pulled pork. I've, I've made pulled pork for family functions for as long as I can remember. Um, but it's like ribs are one of those. It, they're pretty hard to nail. If, if I can nail ribs and and like, yeah, I, I can, I can do the other stuff. When, when was that? Do you have any, like roughly year? Uh, I want to say that was 2017. Okay. So pretty soon after that. So yeah, it was, it was pretty quick. Um, so the big thing is, so the way that that event worked, um, shout out to Snoop. He, he puts on a, he puts on a great event. So basically it's open to anybody and everybody can come. And he has a guy at the, at his, the end of his driveway and I think it was like ten dollars to get in, and you get an armband, and like you can go and sample the ribs, and you can huh. there's kegs, and there's a band and a DJ, and um, basically wild. the way it works is uh, uh, everybody can sample the ribs, and then basically once everybody sampled the ribs, they just like randomly select a few people, and they have oh, so them. There's not even like there's just random people that are yeah judge it that's yeah. kind of cool it's just random people uh he tri- I feel like he tri- that might be the way to actually do it well the, and he picks people that uh i think that year the judges were like his uh like his wife's family that had come in from out of town like they lived states away so they they didn't, didn't know, know any of us they didn't they didn't know who made what ribs um he kept them separated from the rest of the party until you know everybody sampled and then um, but the, there were, I mean, a couple hundred people there and, and, uh, at the end, uh, we had someone come up and ask us for pricing. Uh, their, their kid was graduating that year and they, they wanted to use us for the catering. <laughs> and, uh, I was like, maybe I could, maybe I could do this as a business. I mean, they said my dad's all, my dad's done it to make extra money yeah. for as long as I could remember. Uh, especially around this time of the year, whenever there's graduation yeah. parties and weddings and stuff. And uh, there's always one of those things in the back of your head, like if you need some extra cash, I know I can cook. Yeah. And then, I mean, the, it's completely different cooking for a lot of people. Um, but I felt like I had some experience with that with, with my dad. Okay. So then, so that obviously is a big um a big step towards towards doing that. So 2019, <clears throat> you decide you're buying a food truck. So I, it wasn't right away that I decided I was buying a food truck. Um, it was right away that I decided. When did you actually get that? Was it in, was it 2019? I think so. Yeah, 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 yes. Co- COVID makes was- everything a blur. It was 
your first, you had an event the day before everything shut down. And that was one of your first, right? COVID makes everything. Whatever. Um, (laughs) Dates dates mean nothing anymore. I know you had one. It was like March 12th or whatever the day before was because we were like, oh, man, this might be like, I don't know. We might be done. It was at the, uh, it was at Whitehorse actually. Um, Yeah. Okay. So either way, May, you kind of, that's when you start. That's when you start. Didn't get the food truck right away though. When did you make the decision that you were going to actually do a food truck? So originally um, the idea was to just do it on the side as a side business. Uh, but I've always been one of those people that like, if you're going to do something, do it right. So I wanted to get to proper, li- proper licensing. I wanted to be insured. Um, I didn't want it to be, you know, a, a sketchy side business. Yeah. How was that, that, that process? Like, what was it like to actually get, first of all, to find out what you needed? That feels like potentially a giant pain in the ass. And then what was the process like to actually go through all of that? So did, was it difficult to find the information and then was it difficult to actually complete everything you needed to? So it's, it's definitely more difficult than I thought to know what you need. Uh, there is a checklist, but it's, they leave it very vague. Um, That's super annoying. So for us in Washington County, uh, we fall under. Is the checklist based on county or state or is it? So like a federal, like, so every, hey, here's a rough guideline. There's like, no federal guideline. Okay. So every state is individual. Um, Pennsylvania in particular does not have a, um, like a health department per se for food. It falls under the department of agriculture Okay. because we're an agricultural state. Um, however, uh, the county that Philadelphia is in and the Allegheny County. Isn't that Philadelphia County? I don't, I think it's. It might, it might be wrong. I don't think it is. Okay. I, I think it's Kings County or something like that. I could be completely wrong also. I'm going to let continue. Whatever county Philadelphia is in and Allegheny County, they both have their own departments. Um, and their departments have a pretty. Uh, standardized checklist that you can go through and and make sure that you're going to have all the right things. Uh, the Department of Agriculture, um, they do have a checklist. Uh, it's kind of vague. Um, I, I mean, mostly I was looking on forums, Facebook groups, trying to figure out what exactly I needed before, you know, to, for one, to make sure that I wanted to do it. Yeah, yeah. Because if you need all this crazy stuff, then if I'm just doing it as a side business, it doesn't really make sense to do it. Yeah. Um, so it, it ended up being that I, I wasn't finding clear answers. I found the phone number for the department of agriculture and I called, um, and got connected with, uh, um, our local health inspector. Um, and he was very helpful um, he answered a lot of my questions, um, and he was he helped guide me along the way. 
I was able to call him at any time, and it, it he made things easier. Um, now I don't know if everyone would have that I same experience. That. I doubt it. Based on the that same, um, not the same treatment, but just I'm sure it's very dependent on who your inspector is. Yes, and uh, <clears throat> and so uh, basically, what it came down to is if you know I wanted to be able to operate um, and have no worries about who the health inspector was and what township municipality, whatever I was working in. And the big thing that I needed was a sink. Um, and for a toe behind barbecue deal, you know, that you see set up on the side of the road. How do you have a sink? Um, yeah, there are workarounds. They, they have heated water tanks and that they use to wash their hands and stuff like that. Um, but for me, it just, it sounded like at this point, it would just be easier to get a food trailer. Um, so, uh, well, I should go back. Originally, the idea was a food truck. Um, yeah, I, I remember that. So originally, the idea was a food truck. I started researching, you know, how much money I was going to put, have to put into a food truck to make it work. I still have food trucks for dummies. Uh, they make a book for that. <laughs> Uh, it's on my shelf at home. Um, so the problem with the food truck is all the trucks that I was looking at in my budget were very old, um, not well taken care of, <laughs> and in pretty rough condition. I was going to have to put a lot of money into them and then put a lot of faith in them that they were going to be able to stay on the road. So that turned into, well, trailer makes more sense. If it, you know, my truck breaks yeah. down, I can borrow a truck from someone. Yeah. Um, I know how to maintain a trailer. Uh, it's, you know, pretty easy. Uh, so it kind of evolved into that, which my wife wasn't a big fan of. Um, she, she was. Yeah, it's quite the investment. <clears throat> yes, she was fine. It's not cheap. She was fine with us, you know, doing it as a side hustle, um, making a little bit of money during graduation season. She she enjoys cooking too. Um, she liked doing the competitions. She was, you know, yeah. She she was into it. And then whenever I said, you know what, I'm just gonna buy a food trailer, and she thought that that was absurd. Um, I mean, it's kind of absurd, but like anytime you're starting a business, it's kind of absurd. Like it's not like the easiest thing in the world. Right. And also in your case, you're you have to buy a trailer and set it up to be a commercial kitchen. Right. Kind of. And meanwhile, I have a full time I had a full time job. Yeah. I, I still do. Yeah. But at that time I had a full time job working in Texas and living here. Um Yeah, so I could see how that would be so perceived as a bit crazy. Right. But in my mind it made sense because <laughs> Uh, there was room for expansion. If we decided to do it as a full-time business, we had the trailer. Um, and on the backside of that, also to buy this trailer, I was going to have to put a lot of our savings into it. Um, I didn't want to borrow a bunch of money. So with that, it kind of turned into, you know, this is plan B. If I yeah. lose my job, which... It's oil and gas, so... It's oil and gas. It's so, always a possibility. So if I lose my job, I know that the 
the next day I can hook up to this trailer and I can go out and at least make money that we can keep a roof over our heads. Um, so it, once I, once we sat down, we talked through it. Um, I mean, she was still hesitant, but she was a little bit more understanding. Uh, it did make sense to, you know, instead of buying a new, a new smoker, because the one I had wasn't going to cut it instead of buying a new one, you know, for, you know, X amount. Yeah. And then three or four years down the low, down the line, buying this trailer and then making that other trailer obsolete. It, yeah. Th- this made more sense. Hmm. So you start actually doing this as a business. You went through all of the hurdles of getting licensed and getting like actually opening a business. So when you first started, <clears throat> how was that? Like you're, when you started, did you immediately start doing events or were you doing catering and stuff first? Uh, it was mostly catering at first. Okay. So uh, how far along did you roughly before you started deciding, did you plan on doing events? No. So, okay. So the plan wasn't to do events. The plan was to just do catering. Um, and then I honestly can't even remember who our first event was with, uh, but they reached out to us. Hmm. Uh, it was a friend of a friend or something like that. Um, and then one of our first events was at Liberty Pole, uh, the first time that they released the spiced whiskey. Mm-hmm. So that was my first video project. That was right around Thanksgiving. Uh, if I remember right. So we had a Thanksgiving themed menu. Uh, but that was, that was one of the first, uh, public events that we had had. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So that would have been, I don't know if that was your first one, but I think it may have, I think that actually may have been the The, first one. The first public setup was at Rural King. Okay. Uh, we set up there a couple times, and it was just because. So the day before, um, we were fully legal, inspected everything. Uh, I wanted to make sure that everything worked on the trailer. That way, when the, the health inspector came, you know everything was yeah. in working condition. Um, and it was my grandfather's ninetieth birthday, so we cooked the food for his party. Um. And one of the the people that were there um, worked at Rural King, um, and they liked our food. They were interested in us setting up there. So uh, that was one of the, I th- think that was the first place that we set up was at, down at Rural King. Okay. So what were, um, when you first opened, <clears throat> you first started doing events and catering, what were, um, obviously, like when you're, when you're starting out something like that, especially if it's catering or even not, maybe not as much events, but especially with the catering, if you've got a nice, decent network, <clears throat> those sales, they kind of just come. Um, but what were, what were some of the other challenges? Obviously getting set up was its own challenge, like all of the things that go into that. But once you were open, what were some of the biggest hurdles that you had? Uh, the big challenge for me was that um, 
before we before we even got inspected by the health inspector, like I I read books, I read everything online I could find, um, you know how to do everything, how how the food trailer should be set up that will work the best. Um, sat down, sat down, drew everything out, drew a plan of the, so part of the thing for the health inspection for Pennsylvania is you have to send them a layout that shows where everything is in your food trailer, um, or your kitchen and, uh, where everything is placed so that they can make sure that uh, the spacing is correct for, you know, and to make sure that you have everything that you need. Yeah. Um, and I took that very seriously uh the yeah that seems like something that would be easy to not take seriously and probably easy to just like i like just kind of bullshit but if you actually try to take it seriously i feel like you can set yourself up to have like a good structure it's like yeah i mean that that like is a great foundation for figuring out how the hell the whole thing is going to operate um Okay, so that was probably a good move on your part. Take it was, part. however, okay, everything is different in a food truck. Um, so, like, it, it's a smaller space. Everything looks bigger on paper. W- once you're in there and once all the, the shelves are full, there isn't a lot of room, and there was definitely some things that we we had to work around Um to make things flow better. Uh, I'd say that was probably the biggest challenge that we had was in the beginning was getting food out the window quickly. Okay. So how, once you know, how quickly did you notice that? It was immediate. (laughs) Um, That and we had problems with some of our equipment. Uh, We had trouble keeping food warm because the equipment that we had wasn't, wasn't Mm. correct. Um, so I, I won't serve food that isn't warm for one, because we're not allowed for food safety reasons. Yeah. And two, nobody wants cold food. Nobody wants cold food. Nobody's ever been pumped that their food that was supposed to be warm came out cold. Right. <laughs> so, um, that was a big hurdle that we had to get through to, to figure out, you know, how we could set up the food trailer so it would work better. So we bought a steam table. Um, it was electric. And I, I bought it at, through an online auction. Uh, so it was, I didn't see it before I bought it. Once I bought it, uh, ended up being that it was electric and it would have drawn more power than two of my generator could supply. <laughs> That's a problem. Uh, luckily problem. we, we sold it and actually made a little bit of money off of it. Uh, but we ended up finding, you know, propane powered steam table that we could use to keep the food warm. Um, with the cooker, it was originally supposed to be, um, charcoal and wood with propane assisted. Uh, we found that in order to do that, um, the first time we set up wind was a huge factor. Um, we couldn't get the heat going fast enough to get food on to be able to start selling when we said we were going to start selling, Yeah, which is partially because I didn't start early enough, uh, even though I was there at like 5 a.m. Uh, but with the wind and it was it was a colder day, um, 
Hmm. We were fighting that hurdle. So then it turned into, you know, need to do something else with this cooker. Um, we ended up converting it to pellets. So now it's basically a giant Traeger. Uh, has 40-pound pellet hopper on each side of it. Um, and hmm. now we can get up to 350 degrees in 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, so how did you the getting food out quicker how did you approach that like you knew it had to be changed obviously like right. that's that's a problem especially when you're at events and you've got however many people placing their order i mean those line people don't want to wait in lines um, especially when you're the only option right and so it's, and how it's did you still approach that i mean it's still it's always it's always going to be a struggle yes it, it's always it, we're definitely better than we we were um, could we be better? Probably, but are we going to meet the expectation of the customer? Probably not. Um, it's just not that I care too much about the way the food's presented yeah. and how it looks and to make sure that everything's correct for it to go out much faster than we do now. But in the beginning, uh, the big thing was to, um, you know, set up specific job duties. Most of the time it's just my wife and I in the food trailer. Um, so it was really nailing down like, Hey, I do this, you do this, you know, you kind of stay on your side. I stay on my side yeah. and it lets it flow better. Um, uh, another big thing was incorporating tickets, which like the, the checks that they use at a diner, which seems kind of silly, but so what were you doing before that? Um, we always use the checks. But it was just to write down the order. Um, and then. So what did you switch to? So we still use that. But that check goes up on a board. And they go in order of who who ordered in what order. And then once that order is fulfilled by whoever's hmm. plating the food, they pull the ticket. They put it up to the counter. They yell out the name on it. Um before it was kind of a free for all, just, you know, just we take this order, order we're yeah. calling it out. And uh, I can see how that would cause a little confusion. Yeah. And, <laughs> and a big problem that we have too, which um, I, we're working on still is at the bigger events, especially breweries or anywhere where there's drinking involved, people come and order their food and then they just disappear. Um, so you're calling on them to come get their food and they're not coming and it starts backing up the window Yeah, and then you have to worry about their food getting cold and then them not being happy with their food just because they weren't there to get it. Yeah. Um, so we, we started taking names instead of numbers, uh, names get people's attention a little bit faster. Um, we were, Hmm. we were talking about, uh, using, the little buzzer things uh, this year, but we're, we're not setting up as much this year, but uh, it's definitely something that's probably going to get incorporated in the future. Um, but just, just little, little tweaks to everything that we did um, have made things. Those, those little things that can yes. kind of made just a little bit better. Cause especially with your stuff, just viewing it, it's like, there are so many little things that you can improve that, I mean, you do 10 of those. It's like, makes a difference. Just moving where things are placed, that can help. Like, just 
It's it's just looking, trying to look from the outside and view at what you're doing as a like as an observer. Just like okay, could this be done? Like each step of the process, could this be done better? If so, what is better, and is it worth the change? Um, how much does it help? Um, so okay, so you worked through that. Obviously, there's always going to be a way to improve that. Um, what were that seems like that seems like a, a big one, like that you can try to plan for, but you can only do so much before you're actually in it, like right, and just figuring it out. And as now customers that's are what I mean. I I thought I knew exactly how things would work. I mean, I've I've worked in a kitchen, I've, I've worked in a pizza shop, in a in a faster environment like that. I, I thought I knew the way that the things would work. Um, but honestly, I mean, the, the first event, we were overwhelmed because, I mean, we, we opened up and there were 10 people in line already. <laughs> um, and that's not what we were expecting. I mean, it was great. And, I mean, a lot of people were happy with our food, which is, which is awesome. But I'm sure a lot of people weren't happy with our with food or service either. Yeah. Um, and, and at the same time, I mean, the weight still our weight has never been crazy enough to the point where, you know, it's not, it's still not as long as a sit down restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But people at a food truck, they're expecting. Yeah. When you're at an event like that, you almost assume for some odd reason that it's going to just be super quick because it's a truck and not a restaurant. It's like, Hey, they're doing the same thing. Like they might not be cooking it fresh a lot of time. I mean, it depends on the food truck, obviously, Mm -hmm. but like barbecue, you've been cooking it for the last however many hours. So it's done, but it still needs prepared. Like right. it still needs to be prepared, whatever that means for whatever you're making. But so what were some of the other just efficiency that is always going to be something, but what were some of the other things that you ran into immediately um, that, um, that were just struggle. Like what were some of those immediate struggles or just along the way that have kind of come up? Um, any, I know we've talked about like events. Sometimes it's difficult to, to judge the food, like how much to make. Like I know you've gotten better at that, but how have you figured that out? Like, so, so with barbecue, I mean, it's different than most food trucks because if at least with me, if I make the food, I do not freeze it. Um, not saying that I I never freeze our food. The the only thing that we really will freeze is if we we have leftover pulled pork, and uh, I think once we've had leftover brisket, uh, that stuff gets frozen and it gets put into the chili or the uh, if we do chili dogs, like it gets put into that stuff. Yeah. Um, we we make all of the food fresh. Um, it at the most, uh, if we're doing a big event, uh, some of the pulled pork may have been made the day before. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's as far as we'll go with it. Uh, everything that we don't sell gets donated to different shelters around Washington. So that is a huge struggle for barbecue is food waste and knowing how much is to make. Uh, one of the problems that we were having in the beginning is that we were selling out and. It wasn't yeah. a problem because it was gaining 
Uh, it made our name grow very quickly uh, because everybody wants food that's sold out. Yeah. Everybody wants everything that no that yeah, that everybody can't else can't have. Yeah. Um, so that made us grow quickly. Uh, however, it's it's not good if you know there was more money to be made left on the table. Yeah. Um, and if you know we're set up at a, an event somewhere and we we sell out in a couple hours and they expected us to have food for four hours. Yeah, that's not good for the event. Right. Yeah, it's not good for the event. Um, but how do you judge how many people are going to show up to a public event? So how have you done, like, how um, have you tried to do that? So it's it's hard. Um, uh, now that we've done it for a couple of years, uh, we we track uh, Square as our selling system. So mm-hmm. we use Square. Uh, we do a lot of the same events every year. So we'll go back on Square. Um, I try to keep good notes of how much of everything that we used. Um, I'll go back on Square and figure out, you know, how many pulled pork sandwiches we sold. And from there, I can figure out how many pork butts I need to make. Um, Do you use any of um, the, like, Facebook event information? Like, has that helped at all? So that's that's something that I started doing this year is that um, every time that we've only set up uh, a couple times, we're only setting up once a month this year. Um, but whenever we we are setting up, we're making a Facebook event, um, regardless of whether the the venue or whatever we're associated with is making one. We're making our own uh, one because it it helps promote the event more mm-hmm. if it if it comes up more than once, and also because it helps us get a gauge. Um, but I mean, it still doesn't tell you it's much. Not tell you it's more of like. If, it's just another data point. Right. If 30 people say that they're going on Facebook, then I can expect 100 people. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it, it's tough. Um, watching the weather very closely is another important thing, uh, depending on where we're setting up. Um, uh, we, we set up at Steel City Harley-Davidson. If it rains, we're not going to sell food. It, it's a Harley shop. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but on the... On the other side of it, uh, we've set up there when it's rained and we've had a really good day before. And, you know, just if there isn't other things to do and, you know, people can't ride their bikes, maybe they wanted to go to the Harley shop. Um, it's, I wonder, there would be so much tracking you'd have to do, but I wonder if you were tracking based on, um, like, some of the other events. Like, if you if you could figure out, when there are this many events in Washington on Facebook, I wonder if you could use that to help figure out your metrics or to figure out roughly how many, like there's gotta be a way to get a little bit more accurate, but well, yeah, there's so much, I mean, you've got so many different factors that are going into that because of weather, because of location, the other events that are going on in Washington, because it's not like there's nothing going like there are, pretty regular everybody's regularly having events i mean that's that's a huge thing that hurt us immediately post covid when we were you know still in the you can go out but with a mask phase yeah um the the biggest problem that we had and i i know it was a problem with other events too speaking to other business owners is there was too much to do 
There were too many mm. events. Everybody was like, okay, everybody can go out. We need to plan an event. We yeah. need to we need yeah. to have a band. Had anything and then year. you have, you know, just live music. I mean, generally in Washington, you're lucky if you saw live music once a week and then immediately post COVID, there's Everyone's ten bands playing in Washington at the same time. Yeah. Like it's um but I mean hmm. going back to the weather thing, so going off of that, you would think if it was really nice out then we'd have a really good day, but it's not the case. And part of that I think is because specific to barbecue is if it's really nice out, you're going to grow out yourself. Yeah. So you don't want to buy someone else's barbecue. Yeah. So we kind of fit that, that middle of the line where, you know, it's not too shitty out, but it's not too nice out either. Um, So that's why. Well, luckily you're in, Western PA, so right, not a ton of nice days. So with us not relying on this as you know solitary income, my wife and I both still work full time. Um, we've kind of changed gears with it, and you know we try to we we only set up at events now or at uh, distillery, brewery, winery, uh, that kind of deal because there's going to be people there anyways. Yeah, um, and we can bring in people in addition to that um, setting up alongside the road isn't it, yeah. for me it doesn't make sense because i can't i i don't know be, i don't know what's going to happen yeah that seems like you've got to be doing that if that's the if that's your main source then that can work <clears throat> but you have to be doing that consistently it can't be a once a week thing it has to be like right people know you're going to be set up it's just a matter of either where or um or they know where you're going to be I mean, like, I mean, at that point you become just, I mean, a mobile brick, like brick and mortar. There's not the specialness of, um, I mean, you, you just have to be consistent with it. Like, that's it. If that's the case, the setting up every day can work because people aren't planning for it. Just like, oh, I'm hungry for lunch. Oh shit. Let's go get, let's go get this. I know it's going to be set up. Not people aren't going out of their way to go to a store to go get barbecue. Maybe they are once or every once in a while, but it, it's, it'd be difficult to make that. Like you said, you can't know how much everything is so inconsistent. There's so much, so much that you can't prepare for. Um, so obviously that's going to be, yeah. I, mean, I think you're making the right, since you're not setting up as much, that's probably, that's probably a good move. Right. I mean, that and catering, like, yeah, if it's just going to be our side hustle, then I'm going to remove yeah. as many variables as I can. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, catering is a, an easy way to do that because especially uh, graduation parties are kind of tough uh, because not a lot of people are RSVP for graduation parties. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but I mean, weddings are huge because you know exactly how many people are going to be there. Yeah. Um, but they also bring on their own fun yeah yeah um okay so let's um what okay so those are obviously two big ones that it doesn't seem the efficiency thing you're never going to get perfect like there's always going to be better ways to do it which is fine like as long as you're improving on it like that's kind of all you can ask for um and really the predicting the amount of food that is kind of in the same boat, which is just 
get better at it, but you're never going to be perfect unless right. you're remove, like you said, remove as many variables as possible. So do the catering, do the, do the events that, you know, you've gotten better at, at predicting. Um, are there any other, any other things that stick out that, um, that have been challenging? Um, those are two, those are big ones. Those are pretty big. Kind of going off the catering, a uh, big one with the catering is is giving people quotes for prices. Um, so first off, you have to know how much food you're going to make so you know what your cost is going to be. Uh, and then you need to figure out how much you want to profit from it. Uh, so for us, uh, when we started out, it was, you know, right pre-COVID, beginning of COVID, meat prices were absolutely insane. Um, I mean, they still are, yeah. uh, things it, and it's not even that they're high. They're just bouncing around so much. Yeah. Um, so that was a big, that was a big struggle was, you know, we, we got burned a couple times early on, uh, in COVID where, you know, we quoted someone whenever, you know, they, they wanted brisket for 50 people and we quoted them whenever brisket was three ninety nine a pound, <laughs> Uh, come a week before the event and briskets eight ninety nine a pound. Uh, so I mean, yeah. you can't you can't say hey, like I required you to put twenty percent down to lock in this price mm-hmm. and then raise your price. Um, yeah, that's not ideal. That is not ideal. It's not. So uh, we started quoting things kind of middle of the line. Um, we we started cr- requiring twenty percent down to hold the date uh, because a lot of a lot of events were getting canceled. Uh, is there a um, with that style when you're doing those types of quotes? Is there a any buffer there? Like like is there a way to build in a buffer like a um, like a contingency that is you know there's this much for meat prices that you may be paying lower, you may be paying more, but here's what, like, is that a thing in I mean, the I'm catering su- business or? I'm sure that people do that uh, on a larger scale. Uh, but I think for us, it would, it would more, more or less just confuse deter, people yeah. uh, or deter them from booking us. Yeah. Um, so the, like I said, the big thing we did was, you know, we kind of, I, kept a pretty close eye on meat prices uh, from our supplier. And we tried to go the middle line every time we made a quote. Um, we we tried to steer people away from brisket uh, in particular because we knew that it, it was so volatile. Yeah. Um, so uh, I refer to brisket as, <laughs> as volatile. <laughs> Uh, the, the one wedding that we did do brisket for, I mean, actually two events, uh, we did back to back whenever brisket was high, I was very upfront with them. I was like, Hey, you know, this is what I'm charging you for brisket because in the last month it's been this high. So I have to, yeah. um, and both of them were accepting of it. Uh, they, they both had our brisket and said, no, that's, that's what we want. Um, So they they were both understanding. Uh, I mean, we've definitely had people that that weren't understanding about pricing. Yeah. Um, especially with barbecue. I mean, it it's 
the latest Pinterest craze is a uh, I I do BBQ or or something along those lines uh, where people you know do a do a backyard wedding and and have a barbecue um, and we get a lot of calls for people that are booking those uh, which is awesome however they they see it as a less expensive wedding um, whenever. Uh, nothing against wedding caterers. Some of them do a great job and some of them make great food. Yeah. But a lot of them, that food is, it's just reheated food. Yeah. Um, but they're willing to pay them, but not pay us just because it's barbecue. Yeah. Barbecue feels cheaper. Right. It's strange. It is. It never is. Also. It's, it's insane to think that barbecue is cheaper whenever, you know, what, whatever you're comparing it to, I guarantee has less labor involved than barbecue does. Yeah. There, there isn't another food that has as much labor involved. Um, uh, luckily I've gotten really good at under at explaining that, uh, when people, you know, ask for a price, uh, whenever I, I get the vibe that, you know, they're thinking it's, it was going to be lower than it is. I, you know, just explain it. Yeah. Um, I, I have to do that on the food truck sometimes too. I mean, Somebody buys a brisket sandwich and they don't want to pay the price, but they don't realize that that brisket was 16 hours of work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm not, I do this on the side, but I, I, I do it because I like it, but at the same time, I wouldn't do it if I wasn't going to make money. Yet. Yeah. It wouldn't make any, I mean, especially with as much as, as much as it takes to start the thing, like you can't just taking a loss every time right um if i wanted to do it for fun i would just i'd do it for fun at my house yeah and you wouldn't have bought a food <laughs> truck make it make a brisket or you a know um so it's it, we've had you know i've definitely gotten better at, at customer service which i always thought was one of my strong points um it, in you know my past work experience i always thought i was pretty good at talking to customers and talking through issues. Uh, but I feel like I've gotten better at it because of the food truck, because of the catering side of it. Um, and it's, you know, it, when people are rude, I just do myself, do my best to kill them with kindness. Um, yeah. I, I was, it's really all you can do. Yeah. It's, I mean, what are you, you going to argue with them? It's like, what? But, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's so much a struggle, but it's uh, something that is uh, really gets to me is uh, uh, we've talked about this a few times, but I just got another call a couple days ago. We get calls all the time for people that want to book our food truck to come to their house mm. for a private party, which is great. Yeah. Uh, like that's, that sounds like a great time, mm-hmm. but if you're only going to have 30 or 40 people, you're not going to want to pay what I'm going to charge you. Yeah. Um, because that's how they're going with, you know, how much labor is involved in barbecue, whether I cook for 20 people or hundred people. You're it, spending the same time. It's the same amount of time. Maybe a couple minutes. Yeah. In prep. A little bit but more like, time in prep. Yeah. But cook time, me sitting there, Making sure that, you know, everything goes correctly, that everything stays hot, 
as if fire keeps burning that you know it that's yeah there that time is there either way right there's hmm. there's a cot on the food trailer and yeah, yeah, like that's yeah, yeah. I, I, I that's what i i put it in the corner whenever we're set up and sell them, but I've pointed at it a few times, you know, like, like I was there last night. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, this is why, no joke. Like that's I, why the sandwich is yeah, $3 I, higher than I, you thought. Right. I sat next to that cooker for 12 hours. Um, so, uh, I mean, we've even had people that have, uh, have called to book our food truck and wanted their guest um, all 40 of them to pay for their own food at their party. Um, which I mean, might work if you had more people and it, yeah. like a block well, party it like type thing. If it's, but if you have enough, but it's like, like 30 people, like, yeah, yeah. You can't set. I mean, it's some people will set up. It's just a difficult barbecue would be difficult to do that. Like it's just not ideal. Right. Um, I mean, people look at us too, and they they see it as that we don't have overhead because we don't have a brick and mortar. But I mean, you have a truck. I have to trailer. to pay for maintenance on the truck and trailer. Uh, the big one right now is obviously fuel. Um, all of that stuff adds on, and, yeah. and it may not be as much as it it would be as a brick and mortar. It's definitely not. Yeah. But it's still there. Yeah. Um. And. I can't get the discounts that the brick and mortar can get because I don't have the storage capacity. Yeah. Because in the state of Pennsylvania, unless I have a commercial kitchen that I work out of, everything that we cook has to be cooked inside that food trailer and everything, including paper products, like our side containers have to be stored in that food trailer. Hmm. So it's not like I can go buy. Yeah. A pallet of you know whatever, yeah. Um, it's all gonna fit on there. Yeah. Um. So, I guess. It, well, let's a couple couple last things. <clears throat> One. Are there any other massive issues that have come up that you've either worked through or not worked through or had massive? trouble with like is there anything else like that or i mean really it doesn't seem like there's any major issues it's just the the big struggle is getting set up like making sure you're legal and then just kind of improving everything as you go but really it's not been easy but like there hasn't been anything significant um but are there any like any any other issues any other challenges um I mean, one of the the big ones was that uh, doing this put a lot of stress on my marriage. Um, when we started, uh, I mean, we ran into issues. My wife was, you know, she's my only employee. Uh, it's just me and her. Um, so that was incredibly stressful. She, she had never worked um, in that type of environment. And... Um, you get a little grumpy. Yes. <laughs> um, so I see how that was a little I, stressful. I mean, I had I had things, you know, in my mind, the way that it should work, yeah, and the way that it should flow, and you know, 
nobody sees things the same way. So there was, you know, yeah. some issues there. And, and I mean, we worked through it. We, you know, we, we did better as we went along with separating, you know, the food trailer from home. Um, we got in the habit of, as soon as we were done for the day, um, you know, I give her a big hug and a kiss and I thank her for helping me because this is, this is my thing. It's not, yeah. it's not hers. Um, yeah, you decided to do it. Yes, I decided to do it. I mean, I, I did talk to her about it before we did it. Yeah. Uh, which I think, I think was important. <laughs> yeah. I'd say um, so. a however, big... I mean, I, I pushed for it. Yeah. So, uh, we're, I mean, that's something that we're constantly working toward. F- yeah. So, I mean, talking to other business owners, I know some like they, it seems like you either have to have a great relationship with your wife if they're going to be involved in your business or keep them completely separate. Yeah. And those are the only, that's the only way it works. Um, So I I wouldn't say that um, I want her involved. Uh, because I I like her input. I yeah. she likes to cook. Uh, she I think she enjoys doing the food truck. Uh, you know, once we're into it and we're doing it, yeah. Um, it's the getting ready for it is the stressful part. Making sure that food's going to be ready on time. And you do know, you think there's anything you could have done at the beginning to to help that? Like how how can how do you think you could have made that better? straight from from the jump because there's going to be like inherently you're working together so there's going to be issues and you're working together in a thing that you've got customers who like we've said are waiting in line they're dealing with all like you're dealing with customers and you're trying to make them happy but you're also working together so is there um is there anything you could have done differently to improve that so the the changes that we've made that have definitely improved um i mean just the little little things that we changed to inc- to improve the flow um getting the food out faster reduced the stress in the food trailer and you know it it helped both of us um but a couple of the things that we did was um kind of sitting down uh not necessarily right after the event but the next day sitting down going over sales and talking about what went wrong, what we can do to fix it, um, and just better planning for the next event. Um, hmm. The other one is is checklist. We started using shared notes on our phones. Um, the day, the couple days before the event, it's a lot of going around buying, you know, side cups yeah. and um, you know different the picking up the meat order, picking up you know, the, the coleslaw and yeah, like just getting everything together. Uh, and that can make a lot of stress and making sure that we have everything. And, you know, that led to fights whenever one of us forgot something. So making the checklist, make sure that nothing got forgotten. So it seems like communication is the big thing. Yeah. Communication, which is always like, it's it's just better planning and just better better planning, planning, better communication which is always going to be the, if your communication is bad, it doesn't matter what the business is. It doesn't matter who you're working with. It's going to be, you're going to have problems. Right. Like there's people aren't mind readers. Right. It's that simple. People don't read minds and people forget things. So. And the biggest improvement is adding a third person onto the food trailer. Uh, So we started, you know, using 
my cousins are younger. They, they need some work experience. Started using all they do is take orders and exchange money. And that's all they have to do. Mm-hmm. And you know, that, that takes some off of us where, um, in the beginning, uh, Pam was taking the orders. She was helping expedite food while I was cooking and putting food together and, yeah. you know, taking out the trash, keeping the generator full of fuel, you know, keeping the menu up to date, talking to customers and trying to do it all. Yeah. And I wanted to be hands on like that. And I, I thought that was necessary, but now it's less stressful for her if I'm actually doing less. Um, and I can focus on cooking and I just basically keep the steam table full yeah. and deal with the little, the little things and, and talking to customers, keeping them happy while she's able to put food together, expedite food and get it out the window. <laughs> um, so we kind of just, we found our strengths and kind of found a way that we can stick to them. Yeah. That's uh, similar to what, uh, Cliff was Cliff and I talked about earlier too, just figuring out you don't have to do everything. You don't have to, it's probably better that you don't. Right. And I, I mean, it's, it sounds like to me, it seems selfish because again, this is my thing. This mm-hmm. is what I wanted to do. So I need to be doing as much of the work as possible. And she shouldn't, she should be doing as little as possible because this isn't her thing. When in reality, it actually takes stress away from her and me. If I do a little bit less and, you know, on a, she's doing about the same as long as we have that third person. Yeah. Um, and I'm able to, you know, just make sure that things run smoothly. Uh, is there anything... <clears throat> Anything that you would do differently or things that you would improve earlier or easy things that you could have done early to, to fix any of the, any of the, any of the, the issues that you ran into in any, in any aspect? Um, just mostly sticking to, so when I originally, the first time we did an event, um, I think I still have it somewhere. I made a binder. And I had pre-printed out sheets that basically said, you know, how much of each item we sold, um, things that we need as far as inventory wise. And basically like, uh, it, it was like an event summary and I printed those out, put them in a binder. And the plan was to do one for every catered event. We don't do them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we do to a certain degree. Kinda. It's on like the back of an envelope somewhere. Yeah. Um, if I could go back, it would be getting in the habit first off of doing that. Now, now it's not a big deal because I can, I, you can tell me how many people and I can tell you how much yeah. I, food I need. I, I, I know it now. Yeah. Uh, but in the beginning I didn't, <clears throat> um, one of the things that, that helped a lot that I wish I had early on that I have now is I built an Excel workbook that has, um, I can put in how many people are going to be at the event, put in the market prices for all the meat. Um, and it'll tell me how, how much raw meat I need to cook to have that much cooked meat for these portion sizes and, um, how much profit I want to make off of that. I can judge off of that and I can figure out from there. Um, yeah, that seems, that seems helpful. 
Yeah, it would. It seems very helpful. Um. Okay. You have any any other anything else to add? Any other things that kind of stick out as um, either issues or things you could have done better? Anything like that? No. We kind of covered a lot. Um. Okay. Well, uh, all of your information will be in the show notes and summary. Um. But where can what are all the Instagrams and Facebooks? Are you the same on everything? Um, no, I don't remember what any of them are. So it's uh, rustedbarrel.com and it has links to all of our social media. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I think it's rusted underscore barrel underscore BBQ on Instagram. And then Facebook is RBL BBQ. Um, yes, it is rustedbarrel.com. And yes, there are links to everything on there. Um, okay, well, those will be down below anyways, so you don't have to worry about looking for them. This will be down below. But um, you've also got uh, one last plug, Bassettown Blend. Yeah, um, so our Bassettown Blend is an all-purpose seasoning. Um, it's uh, just a... A uh, all-purpose seasoning. Uh, it's it's similar to what my dad used when I was a kid. Uh, we just made a few tweaks to it. Um, it's it's a Greek blend of spices, but it also has some citrus added. Uh, it's great on chicken and vegetables. This is very difficult. We use it on uh, just about everything that we serve on the food truck has some of that in it. Uh, everything from the mac and cheese. Um, to the ribs have a base layer of it. It's basically just our base layer for everything. And, um, it's what, you know, we, we thought it was good enough to, to bring it to the public and, you know, we're proud of it and it's, uh, available for purchase on restabarrel.com. It is. Um, that link will be, that link specifically will be down below. Oh, that's a on, cute picture. On our, uh, it can be purchased on our food truck and through Facebook. Um, and uh your events and everything are on the website all that's on there contact information everything's there so um anything else any closing mark when does this come out uh july something third week of july hopefully you guys came out and saw us at the whiskey rebellion festival at liberty pole um um we need to update your uh, your <laughs> events too. We need to make a new event list. So, um, yeah. So, Whiskey Rebellion Festival was. We might push this up since you have an event. Um, so the Whiskey Rebellion Festival is the ninth and the tenth, um, and then August sixth, we will be at the Rusty Gold Rib Cookoff in Cannonsburg. Uh, it's going to be a town park this year. It's going to be a really cool event. They're going to rent out the the park uh have a bunch of vendors and have a few more competitors than they've had in the past um that'll be exciting we've done there we've done well there in the last few years so um it's a fun event and uh then towards the end of the month we will be at steel city uh for their rib cook off cool um we will i'll put that we we as if as if there's more than me um that will be in the uh that'll all be down below 
And uh, yeah, that's it. Um, thank you for listening. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for being a guest. Thanks for having me. Um, and uh, tune in to the next one, which will be, I don't know who it is, actually. It's scheduled. It'll be recorded. But um, yeah, thanks for listening. Catch you on the next one. See ya. Thanks for listening, watching, wherever you're consuming this. I'm your host, Bradley Martin, and this is Clearing the Way, a resource for small business owners.